Aloha. Welcome to the Mr. G podcast. This is episode number 41. We're going to be talking about the line construction project in Saudi Arabia. It's one of the largest construction projects in human history. Um, yesterday, we talked all about the prince of Saudi Arabia, uh, Prince Muhammad. He's a very recognizable figure. He's always met with lots of heads of state. And this is his project, the line. Right now, I'm coming to you from the outskirts of Chinatown in Honolulu, Hawaii, where it's a warm 77 degrees here at 7.36 a.m. on Monday morning. Like I said, yesterday's podcast was all about Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Now, I've I've recently um, become interested in the prince um, because of his extravagant wealth, but also um, he recently purchased the most expensive painting that has ever been sold a $450 painting by Leonardo da Vinci. And he bought it for, uh, to put in his $400 million yacht. So which would you, you rather have a $400 million yacht or a $400 million painting? That was the uh, topic of yesterday's podcast. And we're going to continue with Prince Muhammad today. We're going to be talking about the line construction project. And it's one of the most fascinating things. A lot of uh, naysayers say that it's impossible to construct something so massive. Um, it's it's up there, the most modern, um, the most impressive uh, construction project since the Great Pyramids, I would say. So, and, you know, to tops the Eiffel Tower, tops the world, um, tops the uh, Empire State Building and anything else. Um, yeah, so this is going to be talked about a lot. According to Wikipedia, the line is a linear city under construction in Saudi Arabia and Neom Tabuk province, which is designed to have no cars, streets, or carbon emissions. It's 170 kilometers long, 110 miles. And this its city is part of Saudi Vision's 2030 project, which is Saudi Arabia claims will create about 460,000 jobs. So half a million jobs, that's not very many, actually, when you put it in perspective. Um, it's supposedly going to add $48 billion to the country's GDP. The line is planned to be the first development of $500 billion in Neom, in the area of Saudi Arabia that's being built. And the city plans to anticipate a population of 9 million people living inside this building. Um, Saudi Arabia um, has a population of 35 million. So the entire country isn't going to live in there. And not even a quarter of the country is going to be living in the line, but still 9 million people in this one building. The project has faced criticism over its impact on the environment and the current population area as well. And there has been doubts about its technological and economic viability, uh, which is understandable. Um, you know, um, uh, impacts on the environments on such a massive structure. Uh, there isn't no way to get around that, I don't think. Uh, proposal. So the line is planned to be 170 kilometers long, 110 miles, and preserving 95% of the nature within Neom. Uh, it will stretch from the Red Sea uh, to approximately the city of Tabuk. And it is, attended, it is intended that it will have 9 million residents, resulting in an average population density of 260,000 people per square kilometer. Kilometer. By comparison, Manila, the world's most densely populated city as of 2020, uh, has 44,000 uh, per kilometer. So it, uh, two, so it's it's the population density is unheard of in any uh, living structure. 
with 9 million people, they're going to have a population density of 260,000 people per square kilometer. And right now, the most dense city in the world is Manila with only 44,000 people per square kilometer. So that right there tells me that there's going to be issues with this project. The line plan consists of two mirrored buildings and an outdoor space in between, having a total width of 200 meters and a total height of 500 meters. And what I've heard about the line construction already, many environmental groups are upset uh, because it's going to have two mirrored sides, which are going to be uh, horrible for any birds in the area. But it's also going to create two suns, I say, as the sun is shining on me. So you have this huge building it's taller than the Empire State Building. And it's about, you know, what, 30 or 100 Empire State Buildings right next to each other and across from each other in width. Uh, the mirrored sides are going to uh, create suns, and it's also going to create a barrier for migrant animals as well. However, uh, you know, that didn't stop the construction of the Eiffel Tower. That didn't stop the construction of the Empire State Building or numerous other construction projects that humans have undertaken. The city is claimed to be powered entirely by renewable energy when achieved, although its construction will emit a massive amount of greenhouse gases. It will consist of three layers. The three layers are one on the surface for pedestrians, one underground for infrastructure, and another underground for transportation. Artificial intelligence will monitor the city and use predictive data models to find ways to improve daily life for citizens. The residents um, are, will be paid for submitting data to the line. So uh, they're going to have artificial intelligence is going to be incorporated into this. Uh, by the time it's built, quantum computers will already be uh, out and available, not to the public probably. Uh, so artificial intelligence and quantum computers are really going to help the construction of this and quantum computers may decide that this is the best route for humans to go and if you aren't aware uh, in the next 10 years when quantum uh, computers um, are working with ai software uh, it's going to solve uh, numerous uh, problems i feel bad for the uh, anybody now that doesn't make it in for 10 20 years from now because the world is going to change completely once quantum computers come out so history and the history of these huge structures, uh, while it looks like a futuristic idea, it incorporates many aspects of uh, fantasies from the industrial era. For example, in 1882, the Spanish urban planner Arturo Soria already imagined a linear city based on then innovative use of the tramway. He applied part of his idea to a neighborhood in Madrid, but never went further due to lack of support. In the 1950s, the French architect Yona Friedman proposed the concept of an integrated modular and vertical spatial city to solve the problem of urban sprawl, but it remained a simple intellectual curiosity. In the 1960s, the Italian avant-garde group Super Studio, Studio presented a radical artistic project, the Continuous Monument, an architectural model for total urbanization, which was supposed to cover the entire earth, but again, without any feasibility or real utility. So the plan for the line was announced on January 10th by Prince Mohammed um, of 2021. As of July 2022, the first phase of the project was uh, scheduled and um, it's scheduled to be completed in the year 2030. So in the by the year 2030, right around the time that um, 
we're going to have quantum computers, the line will be coming out too. So um, in October of 2022, drone footage released by OT Sky confirmed that construction was underway and um, excavation works were taking place along the entire length of the project. The line will consist of connected communities, which are called modules. The total structure will consist of 135 modules of each 800 meters in length and 500 meters tall. I don't think that's very big. Architects. The project management had architects sign confidentiality agreements uh, referencing to line, and that's why there are no references of the line on any websites. Uh, a German newspaper uh, found out that two well-known architects terminated their participation due to human rights and ecological concerns. Okay. Um, in an inventor interview uh, with Dizen, Associate Professor Marshall Brown at Princeton University said he believed that such a large-scale urban planning would be difficult to achieve the slick, futuristic aesthetic seen in the concept art because of the large number of factors involved. So in the concept art that they have, which was not made by um, architects, the concept art was designed by video game engineers. So, uh, and, I, and I, I believe it does mention that here. Dutch architect Wendy Mass said that while he would love to live in such an environment, its profile seen in the concept art um, was monotonous and he believed it would f facilitate unfavorable wind flow through the interior. He praised the overall concept uh, for tackling, you know, modern problems, but uh, he does not think it's feasible. Um, a professor at University of New South Wales says that the quality of life would probably come down to whether the city was well managed rather than its visual flair. Um, another, uh, he also goes on to say, you cannot build a 500 meter tall building out of low carbon materials. It would create a the building would create a large scale barrier to adjacent ecosystems and migratory species similar to that created by U.S. highways in the United States. Um, the mirrored fa fa facade would be dangerous for birds. Notably, the region would be facing the irradiation from two suns in one of the already hottest places in the world. Feasibility: the 3D images presented on the 3D on the class on the website that they've given. Uh, were not designed by 3D architectural uh, engineers. The designs of the project um, were uh, created by video game engineers. Uh, so it's not uh, it's not 100% that they're going to be able to uh, build this. But if successful, it will be uh, the largest, most impressive structure human beings have ever encountered. And um, like I said, uh, as far as the uh, world powers go, Right now, you have civil war in Russia. You have uh, the United States, you know, the, the value of the dollars dropping and they won't tell you on the media here well, the United States doesn't have a media. We don't have a way to get news. We have CNN and Fox News, you know, sh throwing their lies everywhere and just uh, framing every story. And um, it's a travesty what uh, the media has become and. Uh, I believe the the submarine story that encaptivated everybody's mind for three days and then finding out that the Coast Guard knew that it had imploded on Sunday and didn't tell everybody until Thursday. Uh, it just reminds me, uh, it's just a breaking point, I think. And, and people are so fucking fed up 
with the mainstream media and the mainstream lies. And it's impossible to find out what's real and what isn't. And as deep fakes come out and um, they become less and less able to detect, we won't be able to get any news from anywhere. We'll have a fake president saying something and you won't be able to tell if it's really the president or if it's really not. And that's going to eventually go into uh, FaceTime calls as, as well. They're going to have to come up uh, with a new method of identification uh, because unless the person is right in front of you, it's going to be really easy to fake. Uh, we're, we're going into a new world. This is the, the dawn of a new world. In the next 20, 30 years, 30 years from now, there won't be anybody driving cars. If you want to drive a car, you're going to have to go to a track and put on a helmet and get a special license and get a special uh, certificate. And uh, it's going to be rare. The, so cars are going to be self-driving. And that's going to be a great thing for humankind as well. When I'm 80, 90, 100 years old, I'm going to be like, back in my day, we used to drive our own cars. They let old ladies and little kids just get behind a wheel of a 2,000 ton piece of steel and just wham in there anything you know and people are kids are like wow you guys actually drove real cars they didn't drive themselves like yeah you wouldn't believe it and the fact is uh for young people in particular the leading cause of death for many years up until recent times with uh with that with drug overdoses but the leading cause of death was was car crashes and dwi crashes and just uh, bad drivers and young people losing their lives um, and it's still one of the leading causes of death is car crashes. And that's going to be eliminated um, once uh, smart cars take over the road. Also, Hawaii, here in Honolulu, we lead the United States in traffic. Traffic's horrible here, just like it is in Los Angeles, New York, and many other places in the world. That's uh, going to cut down on traffic more than you would imagine. Because when every car knows uh, every other car and they're all speaking on the same network, these cars, they're going to be able to pick you up. They're not even going to have to park uh, anywhere. You're not even going to have to park your car and you're not going to have to look for parking. It's going to save so much time. You, you'll get into your vehicle. I don't know what they'll look like, but you, the vehicle will take you to your destination and take you right up to the front door. You get out of the vehicle. The vehicle will go on its own and find its own parking spot because it's connected to all these other cars on the road. And it knows exactly where all the parking spots are. So there's no more of like searching through a parking lot for a parking spot. And also, as computers get more intelligent, as quantum computers start taking over, it's not even going to be stop at parking spots. It's they're going to be these cars are going to be talking to each other on the road. So if one car gets too close to another car, it's going to automatically get away from that car. Uh, traffic deaths will go to zero. And when I tell this to people that don't think far ahead, they're like, yeah, right. No way. I'm always going to drive a car. I'm never going to. You've seen those Teslas. They, they hit a somebody. They hit somebody. They, they hit one person. It was on self-driving and it hit somebody. Yeah, dude, it just came out when they discovered electricity. Edison tied a key to, or well, that's the story. I don't think that's really true, but somebody tied a key, a metal key to a kite and held it up to see what would happen when the electricity hit it. There's always a learning period and self-driving cars have just came out. But you don't worry about the microwave blowing up. But I, I bet the first few microwaves they tested in the laboratory were like beep, beep, beep. But hey, there is a learning curve. And yeah, and I'm surprised there haven't been more um, fatalities with self-driving cars. 
that's because they're pretty rare now and and there's restrictions everywhere you know if you and and it just freaks people out if you were you know driving down the street and you look at the driver next to you and there's nobody in there you're like ah, you know you're more likely to crash uh it takes a while for people to get used to things and you know last night i was watching some uh, historical documentaries uh it's called the century on youtube it, it used to be really uh, popular about the 20th century, all about the 20th century. And at the start of the 20th century, about 1899, 1900, all these new inventions started coming out. At the beginning of the century, uh, there was the radio uh, and all these new discoveries. Evolution was discovered. Uh, movies came out at that time. Um, uh, well, evolution, this, the theory of evolution was argued at that time. What else? Sigmund Freud came out at that time. Ernest Hemingway was born in 1900. Uh, so there were so many changes from like the 1890s to the early 20th century that there were people that, you know, uh, you know, were against it. Everybody, you know, it was hard to be against radio. It seemed like from what I can tell from documentaries, everybody loved radio. Old people loved radio. Young people loved radio. And one uh, a writer that I've been looking into that I'm compared to a lot, uh, Charles Bukowski. I watched a documentary about him last night. Uh, he was born in 1920, and um, I, I didn't uh, know that much about his early life until uh, yesterday. And it's 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 crazy uh, the similarities. And I'm really happy that people uh, have suggested him my writing. It's it's a, such a compliment. But um, I had a lot of similarities as him growing up. And uh, one thing I noticed, uh, I had heard a few essays. Charles Bukowski is a good reason I did all of those essays in 2022 here on TikTok. I wrote an essay every day and I read it as I came inside from feeding the cats. And he's actually the one uh, who lit that fire. That's kind of a cliche. He's the one who who got that idea in my head because of a song by Foxes in Fiction, a band that you have not heard of, because <laughs> you are not cool like Mr. G, all right? No, maybe you are cool, but you don't know the music that I know. So there's a band called Foxes in Fiction, and they have a song also, even if you have heard of Foxes in Fiction, you haven't heard this song. But this particular song that they have, uh, they have Charles Bukowski talking in the background as they're playing like this uh, tr like melodic, uh, slow, like kind of trippy beat and stuff and uh what he's talking about he, uh, he's just talking about his everyday life charles bukowski and he's like yeah i drink every day and i smoke every day and he's talking about how he went to the track and he's like the only people that go to, uh, the only people i see at the track every day are the employees i'm the only one who goes there every day and uh the way that he talks and uh his his viewpoint on life is really interesting but why was I talking about Charles Bukowski? How did I get from the line to Charles Bukowski? But, oh, okay, yeah, the radio. Everybody loved the radio. And Charles Bukowski was born in 1920. And I was watching documentaries last night about uh, people listening to the radio in 1920s and 30s and how important it was for them and how the whole family would sit by this box and just listen to the radio. And I didn't know that about Charles Bukowski. I didn't know he was that old. But when I had heard him on uh, that song and some of his recordings in the 90s, uh, I heard him talk about how he listens to the classical radio station. And then I saw a, a picture of him and he had this like old school radio, but with a really uh, familiar, uh, with a really telling, distinct design. 
And I actually had this same exact old ancient radio that I had like found on a street corner in my downtown San Antonio apartment years ago. And I had taken it home uh, and it was like from the 1970s probably, but I listened to it every day and it was the exact same model. It was probably mass produced in the 70s, but it was the exact same radio that Charles Bukowski was listening to in this picture. Um, I also saw that Charles Bukowski was a big lover of cats. Uh, he had numerous cats throughout his life. I think uh, when he finally had some success at a writer, he had eight cats. I have eight cats. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you didn't hear that. <laughs> but uh, but the point is, um, uh, everybody loved radio. And I, I saw him in the 90s, and he would talk about listening to the classical radio station. And in pictures, you see there's uh, always a radio by his uh, workstation where he's working. And I, I think he said he liked uh, the working. The only one good thing about working at the post office was being able to listen to the radio. And uh, I can just see how that left such, such an impression on him. Uh, he was uh, he was born in Europe, I believe, but he came to Los Angeles when he was three years old. Uh, he was born in 1920. So he came to the United States in 1923 uh, when he was a kid, when he was 10 years old in 1933, radio was just at its uh, high day, high day and things that you love in childhood, you love forever, many things. And I could see that with Charles Bukowski and radio. He loved radio as a child, just like all children did. And he listened to it on in his life. And it's it's it makes me sentimental to think about it, because if you talk to the experts now, radio is on its way out. Radio is going to be a thing of the past. They're debating whether to even uh, put radios inside of uh, cars that they're making. I don't even think they do anymore. You know, they just put an, uh, an MP3 player. Do they even is that even called? That sounds so dated as well. MP3 player. Like, what do you put in a car now? You put an AM FM radio. That sounds like out of date. You put an MP3 player. That sounds out of date. What 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 is it now? So, uh, radio was invented at that time. Lots of things came out. Like I said, Sigmund Freud and uh, his famous book, the uh, the ego and the id, came out at that time. Uh, Charles Darwin uh, started having uh, discussions about. Uh, evolution and we started to figure figuring things we started to figure a lot of things out x-rays were invented at that time elevators became in wide use so they could build uh skyscrapers much taller uh so many inventions happened at that time and uh it, it was a big change you look at the 1880s and 1890s uh people were riding horses and uh the majority of the people lived on farms in the country or in small towns uh, that all changed at the turn of the century. More and more people started to live in cities. And you look now, 100 years later, and hardly anybody lives in the country. The majority of people live in cities. Uh, that wasn't always the case for many, many years. But that's, and then the line is uh, the, the line in Saudi Arabia, their project, the line is the epitome of, of that kind of change. Like, there's the it's gone it's like an uber it's a super city it's it's like you've seen a compact city well this is even bigger than a city this is a city on top of a city on top of a city and they 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 say it's going to work and i don't know if it will um i think uh there's going to be some uh, trial and error and i think if it is unsuccessful they'll find another way to be successful uh with the saudi arabia 2030 plan because who are we kidding uh, the power is shifting. 
from Europe and from the United States and from Russia. And we're going to have new superpowers in the world. Uh, the places that have the, the, the largest population boom, because they're going to have the highest population. They're going to have the largest economies in 30 years. In 30 years, uh, Nigeria might have a larger economy than the United States. Yeah, believe it or not. Yeah, Nigeria and other countries in Africa, because Africa is where uh, things are growing. That's where people are producing children. Uh, that's where all the infra infrastructure is happening, uh, especially in Northern Africa and places that have a lot of money, like Saudi Arabia and uh, UAE and Iran and um, Qatar, some of the uh, wealthiest countries in the world. And I hope they're successful as well. Um, but it's not going to change the fact that uh, we're all on this planet together and uh, we're all essentially on a rock going a million miles per hour around the sun. Uh, it's a miracle that we are even here. Nobody even knows why we're here. Nobody even knows what's going on. It's just that we just appeared here. We're just in a body that we don't even know what, what it's, it's just a magical body. The most complex thing in the entire universe ever discovered is the human brain. And it's not even close. We have no idea what's going on there. We're just now starting to discover its mysteries. And it's, uh, uh, it's a, it's an exciting time to be alive here on the eve of world war three. Let's hope not. Let's hope there's no nuclear war. Let's hope there's no world war three. And let's hope that uh, things keep on approving, improving and working right. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. Once again, the Mr. G podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple Podcasts is the best place, but also everywhere else. Audacity Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the podcast sites. And if you can't find it by typing into Google, Gregory Brandt Podcast, Mr. G Hawaii Podcast, if it doesn't show up, Full episodes of the Mr. G podcast are uploaded in their entirety on Twitter and YouTube daily. New episodes daily. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Before we go here, I'm going to just quickly go over top 10 submarine movies. All right. Actually, we'll just do top five. So top five submarine movies, according to IMDb. All right. First, number five, we have 1997. Uh Screen one episode, Hostile Waters. So this was a TV show. In October 1986, a Soviet submarine carrying nuclear missiles collides with an American submarine off the coast of Bermuda. Interesting story. Number four, we have the film U571, which came out in 2000. It has 6.6 .6 stars out of 10. A German submarine is boarded by a disguised American submariners trying to capture their Enigma cipher machine stars Matthew McConaughey and Bill Paxton. Number three, The Hunt for Red October, 1990. In November 1984, the Soviet Union's best submarine captain violates orders and heads for the U.S. in a new undetectable sub. The American CIA and military must quickly determine, is he trying to defect or to start a new war? This stars Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin. Uh, I was too young when these movies came out. So this is 1990. I was 10 years old. I remember when The Hunt for Red October came out and I probably watched it, but I didn't have any idea what was going on or what they were talking about. Like I, I've told you guys before, I've, I'm a late bloomer. I didn't, my mother had schizophrenia. My father was a horrible sociopath. Uh, didn't have uh, affection or parents growing up to teach me 
or to explain things to me. So by the time I moved out of uh, my father's house when I was 14, 15 years old, um, I was a sp just a sponge waiting to soak up information. No parent had put their beliefs on me. No parents had uh, influenced me. No parents had told me to think a certain way. Uh, so that actually worked to the best of my advantage as well. All right. Uh, number two, we have The Enemy Below from 1957, 7.4 rating. During World War II, an American destroyer discovers a German U-boat, and in the ensuing duel, the American captain must draw upon all experience to defeat the equally experienced German commander. All right, number one, Das Boot. A German U-boat stalks the frigid waters of North Atlantic as a young crew experienced the sheer terror and claustrophobic life of a submariner in World War II. Interesting story about Das Boot. Um, during one summer school at the University of Texas, I was taking a uh, course on war movies, actually. It was the summertime, so I wanted to take something uh, fun. I believe it was called The History of War and Film. And one of the most important... Uh, films that we saw was a this german film das boot which is ranked number one on uh, submarine movies and it's a german i think it takes a perspective uh from the german army actually the interesting thing though it's not that we watched this movie in the class was that during the summer in the university of texas you have international students from other countries uh studying in ut austin and in this particular class there was about five uh, at least five or six uh, German students from Germany, German men. Uh, there was all all men in this class. No, no, uh, very. I think maybe one or two uh, females signed up for history of war and film. But um, the instructor was uh, a nice instructor that I also had for another class. Uh, he was from uh, Cuba, I believe. And uh, it was interesting how to see how much the Germans uh, loved uh, this movie Das Boot. And they had a, uh, a they didn't have a strong grasp on the English language, and so they they unfortunately they kind of got the wrong idea about me. Like they thought, because I remember I left early during the movie, and they just loved the movie. Like they were like almost in tears. It was like bringing Germany to America, and like it was like their moment. And like the rest of the class was kind of like looking at them because they all sat in the same area, but they were just like so into this, and like their their hearts were in it and stuff. And I had like another appointment. I had to uh, get to my job as a dishwasher at the sorority. And so I had to leave class early that day. And I remember they they just looked so offended and upset with me that I would walk out of the movie. But hey, uh, like I said, it, it was there was a, a language barrier. And uh, sometimes when people just see me, they, they just uh, create an idea in their head. And I can't hold that against them because some, some of the best friends I ever had, some of the best people I've ever known, uh, they thought bad poorly of me when they first met me, when they first saw me, or, uh, you know, they didn't get a chance to know me. And after they uh, gave me a chance and uh, gave me a minute and uh, heard me speak, heard me talk, uh, heard, they they really uh, felt like idiots. And the reason I know this is because I've had dozens of people, they don't know that other people did the same thing, but I've had dozens of people that you know, we're working on a school project together or we work at a job together or whatever the scenario. And we're like forced to be around each other. And at first, or we're friends with the same people and uh, they don't like me. They think a certain way around about me, but then like we work together on a project and they see how smart I am. They see how intelligent I am. They see how kind I am. They see how attractive I am. Well, <laughs> actually everybody can see that. Hey, eh? 
No, they see how uh, good of a person I am on the inside. And then the ones that really become my friends, and I can think of some really people that became real good friends of mine. And uh, there's a moment that they realize like, dang, I can't believe I thought Mr. G was stupid or I thought he was trash or I thought he was poor. Or I thought, you know, and they're like, I'm sorry, Greg. I'm sorry that I, I, I can't believe I, I thought, and I always try to get it out of them. Like, you thought what? What did you think? What did you think? Uh, so I can't hold it against them, uh, the German students in the history of war film, history of film and war, uh, history of war and film, because uh, they didn't speak the language. And, uh, you know, so I, I must, uh, you know, sometimes uh, in, if, if people don't know me, uh, they get the wrong idea about me. But uh, that's enough. I hope if you listen to this podcast, you got the right idea about me. And I don't think there's many people just hate watching this, you know. I've I've got a lot of people hate watching in the past, just like like twisting a towel watching my live stream, like I hate you, Mister G. Why are you always talking? I like to do a podcast, you know. But I hope there's nobody like that. I'm not getting many viewers, so I encourage you if you are listening to the sound of my voice. Share this on Twitter, Facebook, whatever your thing. Tell a friend about it. It's a damn good podcast, and you can't say it isn't. You can't say I sound like crap. You can't say I don't know what I'm talking about. You can't say I'm badass, motherfucking intelligent. You just fucking can't, all right? And if you do, all right, go ahead. Go ahead and try. This was episode 41. Thank you for listening. Join us tomorrow uh, for a new episode. And everybody, uh, for me and my street cats, we bid you aloha.